the Pufo Exchange was our last best hope for on-topic conversation. We failed. But in the third season, it became something greater. Our last best hope for entertainment. I'm Chi. I am Julia. And we're here tonight because we've been meaning to do a West Wing podcast for a while. She brought it up a few days ago that we needed to do one of these. And, you know, it got backburnered. And then about a week later, Catherine Joosten. Is it pronounced Joosten? I'm not really oh, sure how it's pronounced, but it's J-O-O-S-T-E-N, right? Mrs. Lanningham died. I'm a big... Oh, my God. I just started talking like Jen. I'm like, I'm a big... I'm a big Twitter user, and I know on Twitter, when they announce someone's dead, usually they're not. And someone had written on Twitter, rest in peace, Mrs. Lanningham. So I started Googling, you know, Catherine Juice, this, that, the other thing. And there was nothing. There was absolutely nothing out there that said she died. Like, I didn't want to alarm people. <laughs> I wrote right. on Facebook, like, in the event that she died, I feel horrible. Like, I, <laughs> like, I, I, because I'm picturing she's going to, like, respond back to me somehow. I'm still alive, you jackass. And Mrs. Exactly. But she did actually pass she away. That's why, we're, that's why she, we're doing it. She did it. pass away. And the thing that pisses me off is I'm watching season seven of West Wing now with Danielle. And we just got to the episode right before the, um, oh, by the way, spoiler space for the entire series. So stop listening if you don't know what happens. Yeah, if you haven't seen the whole series, we're just going to talk about it's everything. It's been for seven years. I mean, the spoiler space has expired. It's the episode where CJ's having... Chief of Staff of the White House is having dinner with uh, Danny Kincannon, and she makes comment like, I know I'm living out the top line of my um, obituary right now, obituary yeah. right now, which made a lot of sense at the time. You could tell she was on borrowed time. She would never get a gig like this again. And all I could picture is w- while watching this wonderful character on the show, that when Catherine Jewson died, her obituary would say, Mrs. Lanningham has died, or, or some reference to Mrs. Lanningham. Every single article has been The Desperate Housewives. And it's pissing me off. I'm sure she was wonderful. <laughs> in it. I don't give a damn. You're Mrs. Lanningham. I don't care. <laughs> well, it's just, it's funny that it would be the Desperate Housewives because I would think that the West Wing would be more, like, considered more of an artistic impact because. I think it's because she died in that, like, a week and a half ago. They just aired her death scene or something. Spoiler what? space. I think she dies. I don't know. I don't, watch it, but... I don't know anything about Desperate Housewives. Yeah, but, you know, before we started recording, I watched the first, like, 20 minutes of our commentary for Anaxalsis Deo. Mm-hmm. You know, because I haven't watched West Wing in a while, and I was like, oh, what better way to get myself back into it than with a poofful commentary? So I was watching, and I think we compared Lady Chi to Mrs. Landingham. I think we decided you're, you're Mrs. Landingham, G. But didn't we ship Mrs. Landingham with someone, or we shipped Chi with someone? It's in the episode title, which is... I would say, if you're going to, like, best all-time West Wing episodes, it's definitely this one, and maybe Noelle. And then I, I really like um, Isaac and Ishmael, really, mm-hmm. but more as, a, more as a commentary on current events than anything else. But yeah. More Definitely of commentary of how the hell to produce a, a television show in like 48 hours. Definitely. Yeah. And I'm even, I even have to say this, I'm definitely in the minority of, of West Wing fans, but I think season six and seven are probably some of my favorite episodes right there. I know it's like a completely different show by that point. Whoa. Whoa. No, and it's up. carried, it's carried on the back of Alice and Janney. I think that's when she does some of her best work. And well, I just, I just, I extremely, I intensely disliked that it became the Alice and Janney show. Like I was watching, I honestly, I was watching for Josh. <laughs> yeah. 
pretty much. And I was just like, waiting for Josh and Donna. Well, you know what it was? It yeah. was, they decided, okay, we're going to have the Vinnick camp, we're going to have the Santos camp, and we're going to have uh, the West Wing. And they did, they added some characters, but not enough. So that the White House was literally, by the end, it was the Will, Kate, and CJ show. And even Bartlett wasn't there half the time. And Alice and Janney can just regurgitate pages of dialogue and make it look easy. And like, she was, like, she mesmerized me, I think, all of season seven because she was just so flipping capable. And I, I just. Well, I just, I, yeah. I mean, I, I'm never going to like, I just, I, by the end of it, I was just so tired tired of CJ because I like I, I feel like one of the strengths of the early part of the West Wing is that it's such an ensemble show there's no like you can't say that's the star of the West Wing because you know even though Rob Lowe had it in his head that that's what his job was it wasn't just the Sam Seaborn and company show it was like right it was everybody's show well, it was everybody's about the show. early seasons you have CJ in the I think it was the second to last episode of season one where she says I don't know how many more times I can walk into the Oval Office and tell the president I'm wrong it was she wasn't part of the team you know quote unquote she, her, her opinion was his value as much as everyone else. She was making a lot of mistakes as press secretary. You saw her make that huge fumble in the episode to follow this one, um, when she says the president's relieved to be sending uh, troops into battle. And in the early years are very rocky for CJ, so I just love the fact that she's the only member of, other than Bartlett and Abby. She's the only person from the beginning who is there the day they turn out the lights, because Toby, yeah. Toby left six months before, and, and she's the only person who makes it, and she does it incredibly well. Can and we talk here. about how much Toby got screwed? Because Toby got, Toby got screwed. Richard Schiff, to this day, says Toby was covering for someone, and he wouldn't have done that. I think story-wise, it's, it's sad that Toby wasn't there, and his character kind of fizzled by the end, but I could totally see, because he was always the ideologue, and he was going to be the one, and that was so in his character, I think, to say, I'm smarter than Bartlett in this case, because I think he just had that in him. So I know that he, he never confirmed he did it, he never, well, he said he did it. But he, he said he said, did it, but he, he never said he why. He said he did it, but he never said why, and you can assume why. But you could also assume he, he is covering for someone, and we just don't know the story either. So I could see him saying, yeah, I did it. Right, and he does get pardoned as, like, the final presidential act. They kept fumbling by the very end whether he... Because he's like, I'm indicted, but I'm going to jail next week. I'm like, it doesn't work that way, too. <laughs> and, like, even <laughs> you can zoom in and read Bartlett's pardon letter, and it even says... Like, because the clear thing is, it says, in the year of our Lord, and it leaves out the year. And it says, um, his trial is pending. I'm like, his trial can't be pending because you're pardoning him. Well, he was found guilty and you're pardoning him. So they kind of fumbled the Toby Ball. Well, it's, you know, it's one of those things there. I think a lot of it, it's, I think the writing gets a little lazy in season seven, mm-hmm. for sure. Because they had so many balls in the air. They had so many different storylines. They have so many I, balls in the air, but I think, they hold, I think they hold them all up well because they get the little details perfectly right. I, I think they... It would be Star Trek Voyager, and they would be forgetting who the Speaker of the House is, and they'd be like, I think they, <laughs> I think they did a good job of holding stuff together. But it was just, and I think they lucked out in that they made the choice to make John Spencer Leo the Vice President because he's the only member of the cast who wasn't there in the Flash Forward. I think that would have completely screwed the show up if he was supposed to have lived, and then you have Leo not in the room for the rest of the series. So right. I think that would have... And they, they even threw in a line, no one caught it, they threw in, somewhere in Season 7, they mentioned the name of Bartlett's first opponent in the 1998 election. Like, even little things like that they dropped in, which I thought was cool. So. What was the name of that guy? I don't remember. They, yeah. no, they, they, he's, he's never mentioned in the show. Leo mentions a line about how things looked equally bad when they were running against Eisenhower. <laughs> so, alright, so we're going to uh, turn on two cathedrals. I'm just going to watch it while we uh, yak about the West Wing and Mrs. Lanningham and all that good stuff. So we're going to do the old 3-2-1 click, which will fail, but we'll try it anyway. It <laughs> all right. Okay, now wait. We go to scenes. All right. Say, ready, say one, guys. 
Right. Are we ready? And we're gonna go three, two, one, click. Okay, I did it. That takes a minute because I'm watching on a DVD. There we go. Previously on the West Wing. It's Wing. Blah 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 blah. Now remember, we were not supposed to get caught up in watching this. Exactly. So. Nobody's talking. Nobody's talking. But nobody's I'm talking. Walking nobody's talking. They, so I'm reading the captions. And they did such a good job. They did such a good job because the MS story we learned about it in season one when Bartlett collapsed before the State of the Union, and then. I, I didn't watch the first season of the show when it was on. I, I was aware of it, but I had no idea what it was about. It was in it. I didn't watch. And then I got pulled in because they had the Who Got Shot plotline, which was hyped throughout the summer. And um, they ran, they made that two-parter in the shadow of two gunmen for new viewers. And they told you the whole backstory of the characters. And, and watching right. that, I instantly was up to speed. You know, I didn't need to see anything before that. So they really... I, I wondered, well, I didn't wonder, but I, I kept coming back to in the beginning, why is Bartlett announcing now? Why is his hand forced? And the answer is Hoynes. Hoynes is running. People are going to say, gee, Bartlett, why aren't you running? And he's going to have to have an answer. And, and his, his, um, his, he's at that point in his term where he has to cop to it. Yeah, and now in, in the episodes prior to this, you have Toby learn in that little bottle show in the Oval Office where it's like three guys just screaming at each other for 42 minutes. And then you have um, CJ and Sam sold off screen. I think everyone's sold off screen except uh, Donna in this episode. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and we see Toby learn. But it's now, really interesting that they choose to film Donna's reaction well, to things. Because Donna's the only person who reacts the way that you would hope you would react. I love this. You know, is the president going to run for re-election? Watch the press conference. I, I would watch the press conference because I have no idea if the president's going to run So, um, yeah, I just, thanks to my Kindle, which I'm going to convince Chi to uh, buy by the end of this episode, I just read a, um, a, a time travel book that was self published on Amazon. And as soon as I was done, I tweeted to the author, you know, I love your story. And it was implied there'd be a sequel. I'm like, I can't wait to see what you come up with next. And she wrote back, me either. <laughs> so, and she actually just finished it the other day. So that's really good. Oh, that's cool. really good. Yeah, what, you have to send me the name of that author in will, the book um, if you liked it. Her, the book is called um, Shipbuilders, and it's by a woman, I believe, named Marjorie something or other. Oh, my dad just finished reading that one. That's yeah, weird. Yeah, oh, really? Yeah, it was, it was yeah, very good. Very, uh... Oh, no, 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 no. Don't do that. <laughs> All right, so we've got the, uh, the closing credits coming. It's a really Special good book. guest star, Stockard Channing. If you like I the Titanic be... and you like... Uh, I wanted to be Rizzo so freaking bad. She's and then, be ahead of me here because I just got to special guest our soccer chain. Oh. So whatever happens, I if if she if you miss anything, oh let I just me got know. to it too. She, I think I, you're a little ahead. Yeah, that's possible. It's possible. Yes, you guys are watching on a DVD, and I'm watching on a. <laughs> Dogs are literally Hello? attacking right now. That's Hello? never happened Sorry. before. <laughs> that's my Dogs, uh. Scylla, shut up. All right. The standards in the public exchange are just precipitously <laughs> dropping over here. I love they this. Really I are. love the moment where, where I, I have to sound off here, but where he's like, they need to light them from outside the room. He looks like Ed Wood or whatever. From the <laughs> <laughs> it's like the problems you have in the White House. Oh my goodness. This sounds like, he definitely sounds like he could work the Obama Well, the thing that can, oh please, Romney can't spell work his life. But, um, <laughs> God bless him, mercy. I, I love in this episode they come up with the plot line of how there's asbestos in the East Room, so they need to hold the uh, the 
press conference at the State Department, and we need to, like, literally drive around Lake Winnipesaukee to get there because we need to show this very long. Right. We need to somehow drive past the National Cathedral on the way to... Yeah. I have so. to mention, we have to have the president get wet. Right. This episode, policy, very important. Um, what I've heard from this episode is the scene where Bartlett, they shoot it at the National Cathedral, and um, Martin Sheen stomps on the cigarette on the floor, and th- they were so pissed off that they, like, disrespected the cathedral in that manner. Not only were they not allowed to shoot at the cathedral again, which Leo's funeral was, was supposed to be, it's obviously a different building, no one is allowed to shoot at the National Cathedral anymore. Nice. Because of this episode of the West Wing. The practicing Catholic in the room is not surprised. (laughs) Extremely disrespectful. Leo versus uh, CJ right here. And how young is Bradley Cooper? I mean, Bradley Whitford in this series. Oh my goodness. He's like, he's got the, he's got the, He's got the douche staff now, douche dash now, you know, where he's like... I saw that. I, th- I thought he grew that for a role. Apparently, he just thinks it looks good. But it's. Uh-huh. But I, I was just at the point in season seven where he's setting up the Santos administration, and, and he looks like he's about to drop, and his hairline is behind him, and it's like, my God, take a weekend off or something like that. I, yeah. love, I love this here, too. It's The thing the Bartlett White House never does is it never... They always try and... You know, let Bartlett be Bartlett, but they never quite make it happen. And they want Bartlett to be Bartlett, but she's telling him you gotta put it away. He can't be Bartlett now. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's kind of like the nature of politics, though. Is like you always, you always, you know, you say you have a system of ideals behind you, and those ideals, or you would never get anything done. I love this scene here where the guy calls Bartlett a candidate. Instead of yep. President Bartlett and Sam ends the meeting. Well, I was actually wondering, because in this episode, okay, at least two congressmen found out this morning. All the guys in this room know, knows that Bartlett has MS. The vice president staff now obviously knows. I'm thinking they've told half of the Congress, and CJ's about to pull in um, Reuters and... and Ajax and Ajax France. Yeah, which I originally thought it was someone's name. But... Um, <laughs> Someone's got to have posted this to Twitter by now. This is ten years later. You know, what I mean, there's no way the story would keep for any for any length of time. Really, it's surprising that congressmen didn't leak it. You know, well, that's the thing because they don't tell you when it. In fact, you can be. You know, it's the, the story's embargoed for an hour. Someone, the president has a debilitating illness. Someone's going to leak this. Uh, a buddy of mine turned me on to Psych with uh, Dulé Hill, and I've watched a couple of episodes it. of it, and I'm watching the police chief. I'm like, she's familiar. I've seen her somewhere. I don't know where. And it's young Mrs. Lanningham. Lanningham. From this episode. I'm like, I know her. I, I Who is this actor playing young Jed Bartlett? I swear I've seen him before. I'm not sure. I think it's Tom Riddle. No, it's not Tom Riddle. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm afraid it has to be. But how great is that hair? I mean, that hair is like totally a vodka. Well, here's the thing. Here's, oh, yeah. here's the thing here. Um, now that is, uh, oh, I'm, uh, oh, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, what the hell is that guy's name? Um, the, his father? Yeah. Who plays his father? Stanley something no, other. No, He's no, one no. of the writers. It's the producer of the, it's the producer of the show. He has a show on MSNBC now. He's, uh, he worked for Daniel Patrick Moynihan. He's a democratic activist now. He's on NBC. Um, uh, Lawrence O'Donnell. 
Yeah, there we go. He said, you need someone like to play it like this. And he did his impression. And they're like, you're hired. It's on the special of one of the commentaries yeah. on the DVDs. It tells the story of how he ended up there. Barlow's supposed to be like 16 or 17 here, and uh, Mrs. Lanningham is at least 10 years older than him. The late great Catherine Deuston was only about a year older than Marion Sheen, because he's 71, 72 now, and she was just 72 when she passed. Which is really young. Well, I mean, Mrs. Lanningham, I... she always seems so much older than Barlow. Like, That's I figured, because he was in his late 50s when they started the show, and I figured she was, like, in her early 70s then. I figured there was, like, uh, you know, a good amount of space between them, but not so much. I do this thing, like, where I get interested in acting. I just did a thing, I just did, like, a phase where I tried to learn everything about Martin Sheen that I get. Oh, look, there's uh, the coach from Glee. What's her name? Sue? Something Soul Sylvester. Her name is... Coming up in the next scene, we'll be <laughs> We're not quite there yet. That's so sad. Oh, I, need, I need Paul Bearers. Yeah, Sue Sylvester. Because well, all of Miss Landing, Mrs. Landingham's son died, sons died in the Vietnam War. Well, the thing about Mrs. Landingham is, Julia was talking about in Excelsior Seo, is in the first season, Mrs. Landingham has that moment. Like, she's she, she's the lady with the quips. She's got the, you know, someone, she's has snarky She's the snarky lines. one. She's the one that says, she's the lady Mr. Once again, Mr. President, once again, Mr. President, you showed disdain for vegetables. I find not at all presidential. Exactly. <laughs> or, like, or like, have a cookie, Sam. Like, <laughs> and now, no cookie. It's like every single line, but the only episode of the first season, I think, where she has real legs is when she tells Charlie about her boys, and I miss my boys, because her boys died in Vietnam. And um, there's a moment, uh, there's, I think it's the crackpots and these women, Bartlett has everyone over for chili when Abby's out of town, and he's mm-hmm. telling someone about Mrs. Landingham and how she's never missed a day of work, but she doesn't even have any lines in that scene. The real scene where I think Mrs. Landingham, the only scene in the series where I think she really is a character, and she's not the comic relief, and she's not that plot device that means a lot to Barla that we're going to kill off in an opportune moment, where she's an actual functioning character is the scene later in this episode where her quote-unquote ghost comes to Jed and and gives him you know, yeah. some heat for Yeah, smacks him around a little bit. Right, that's the only scene where I think she and I think it's great. After she dies, you then get to see how great she was. Now, this cracks me up that the door always blows out and they're like, well, yeah. you know, there's a wind tunnel in the Oval Office. I'm like, all the doors are closed. He just had to open the door to ask him about them. <laughs> you're like, you're kidding. I thought, that, I thought that was great that he looked into it. And why would Charlie have that information at his disposal? You know, I walked around the building Parties. with my finger and sticking it up in the air. There's a wind Charlie tunnel. has a lot of information you wouldn't expect somebody in Charlie's position to have. Yeah, that's true. Because he's like, a lot of these characters, I guess, they serve like, the functions that they serve would actually be filled by, like, two or three people, right. like, in the real world. Oh, yeah. Because you can only retain information about a certain in number a, of characters. Hours in America, when um, you find out that Josh is off-screen and staffing the president every day for four years, Sam has to fill in, and he doesn't know what he's doing, and he's like, do we have, like, a like a, a resource that's, like, the, 
the encyclopedic knowledge of all human history, and they're like, we just use Margaret. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny because, you know, there's some discussion, I think, about that can be had about the role that women play in this show. Uh, Because Sorkin sometimes will, like all like all television writers get that boom of sexism leveled at him, like that accusation of sexism. But I think, you know, the women that he writes, particularly in this series, they may be kind of few and far between because of the nature of the world that he's choosing to write about. But there's still, I mean, even the minor characters, Margaret, like that scene where she's telling him that she knows how to forge the president's signature to this <laughs> day. Like, just. We got Marco vetoing really things and sending them back to the <laughs> <laughs> Remember the episode where she, like, crashed the White House mail server because there's, like, a muffin. I was thinking about the muffins. <laughs> and, like, it, it, Leo's like, I hung in there as long as I could with the story. <laughs> I'm sorry. You lost me at muffins. You lost me in case you were wondering. Well, no, I'm, I'm sorry, using... Margaret. I tried as long as I could. My and how great is Kate Harper, by the way? I mean, I'm not a huge fan of season six and seven, but Kate Harper's probably one of my favorite things about six and seven. My, my father, God bless him, going, what the hell is she wearing to this? She has to wear a really big hat. <laughs> she does. This is like when I went out with Rena, like to dinner. It's like Rena, you're making me feel like. I'm It's kind of hilarious. I love this play too that Bartlett just steps aside and gives the uh, White House to Horns, who's the most typical politician ever. Aside from the scene where um, he walked outside for his little baptism, and aside from the scene where he's screaming, God, I think he told him, just stare into the distance. Well, he seems to be doing a good job of it. He's very good at staring into the distance. When the earthquake hit on Washington, D.C., I think it was late last year, earlier this year, the National Cathedral was damaged. I think every West Wing fan just stopped and bowed This is so... I am... This is, you know, Ryan, you grew up Catholic, right? I think I remember that about you. Mm -hmm. And so, like, whenever I watch a Catholic funeral on television... I'm always the one going, that's not what happens. That's not what happens. Because, like, inevitably, they always have somebody come up and give a eulogy, and you're not supposed to do that. I gave my dad's eulogy in, in a Catholic service. Thing. You're not supposed to. Well, I did it anyway. That's <laughs> the rule. I don't know. thing was, Danielle was not, is not Catholic, and she wasn't um, raised Catholic, and the only two Catholic ceremonies she ever went to was my father's funeral, and then right after that, we had a friend's wedding, and she leans over to me. It's the same music. That's because the organ only sounds like one thing, really. An organ. <laughs> know, I'm thinking of um, that's Leo's funeral here, and the thing with oh, I think they had... Sorry. Uh, anyone who's ever been in the show, I think they had back for Leo's funeral to just sit in the audience because yeah, you, like you look up every character on the show, their last appearance aside from like Santos and Marching, their last appearance was in, was in Leo's yeah. funeral. Didn't Sam and, didn't, I mean, didn't Donna and Josh sit together in that 
same. I think so. Yeah. Because I remember being very happy about that shipper wise. Oh, look at that. I love this Mrs. Young Mrs. Lanningham giving young Jed Bartlett what for. This is Lady Chief from the future. I'm staring at Priest right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm, there's still I'm, I'm still staring people. at Priest. She's in God knows where she is. Oh, right sorry. And now I'm staring at Martin Sheen. She paused for 10 seconds. Okay, ready? Right. I'm pausing. Okay, pausing. For Let seconds. me know when you see Miss young Mrs. Lanningham giving young Jed Bartlett hell. I see the side of the boat. I don't see, I see it. Um, okay, there's the side of the boat. I see Jed. Side of the boat. Hose. I see a hose. Right. <laughs> right. There's the hose. And this is Lanningham. All right. There's Jed Bartlett. Okay. There's there, Mrs. Lanningham. There we go. All right. Yep. Yeah, I wonder about according their to according to Wikipedia, this uh, building where they shot is where Dead Poet Society was shot. It does not surprise me at all. Now, yeah. You have to wonder about their relationship after this point, because obviously he does what Mrs. Lanningham asks for. His father hits him, and then that's the last we see of young Jed. And obviously, from there, it got to the point where he becomes very. She knows in this episode that he's going to go far and he's smarter than anyone else in the room. So at what point does she stop being almost like, you get the sense she's almost like a little mentor here to him a little bit. And she's the one who's, you wonder what that was like the moment that he passed her. Or maybe, yeah. never, or maybe like this episode shows he never did. But. Well, I think she was always kind of, you know, uh, Toby has that moment where he's talking about his, uh, his demons shouting down his better angels. Yeah. I think she's probably she's probably always one of his better angels, yeah. you know, somebody that's, you know, kind of in the background, kind of constantly reminding him. I mean, that's the subtext. I think of this whole thing is that she's one of those people that reminds him, you know, to maybe not to do the right thing because it's the right thing, but not to give up because things are too difficult or too right. hard or, or might cause a little personal grievance. I'm sorry, here. I love the direction of this episode. Just like when she walks through the door and you go to the other side and it's Charlie given the. The reading, I love the direction and um, the scene earlier where uh, young Jed puts the jacket on and it's old Jed or vice versa. Yeah. yeah. There's a really lot of, cl- lot of clever cuts. In there really are. That, yeah. building, that building is so huge. <laughs> Apparently you can wipe lie the Washington Monument down on its side in that, in that place. Let's try it. <laughs> yeah, I'll do that. I, I love I this. This is typical. This you can totally believe that this guy will go places, but still not know how to use the intercom on his desk. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, it could be the muffler, yeah. right? It's the only car part I know about. <laughs> That's how I he's, fix a car. He's very. I mean, yes. I've taken up this Mrs. Landinghamish habit of like walking up to someone, going, "Hey, your car won't start." Or something like, oh, you fell in the pool there, CJ. <laughs> <laughs> All the time I do this to my students. I'm like, oh, you seem to have got a little stuck there, Bella. <laughs> She's like, yeah. I say yeah a lot. I'm like, yeah. 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 Cause I, think your every, eyes. I, think every, I think the most commonly said phrase on the West Wing is yeah. 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 Well, it was, it was actually Leo's last word on the West Wing. Well, he's very, I mean, but he had a way of saying it that was like, John Spencer could pack a wallop into a word like and a look to i mean that god that man was so talented he he, like i the last few episodes he he just looked ill and i know he had a heart he had a heart attack but he just looked ill and i asked Danielle, like how old do you think he is in the scene she's like oh he's got the early 70s i'm like he's 58 like that guy he 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 worked until he he yeah he he looked frail but he it's always Leo right up until the last moment. I wish CJ was a pallbearer here. Are you allowed to have lady pallbearers? Um, Apparently you're well, not allowed to give the eulogy either, so at that point. 
grab the casket. I don't think that there's any rule against it, but it's not traditional. I see. I love that thing. Give me numbers. Well, I mean, because numbers, I mean, statistics are going to matter to this young man. Obviously, he has a degree in economics, but he's so, I mean, he's such a, he's kind of a, I've always kind of found Jed Bartlett a hard character to wrap your mind around entirely. Like, but I think that, like, if you were a really, truly great president of the United States, like, it's hard to wrap your mind around Abraham Lincoln Mm -hmm. sometimes, like what he must have been like as a person because he's so, his impact was so enormous. And the things that he did, I mean, he, he made decisions in 1863 that are still, you know, relevant today. I mean, we're talking executive orders and having the full weight of law and that kind of stuff like that goes back to him. And so, you know, if you have you have a man in the, I think that's maybe one of the problems with this new twenty four hour media mm-hmm. thing is that you don't you have a sense of too much. I think of of a president's humanity and not, right. you know, I, Jed Barlett right. makes you think of the mantle and the and the how what the gravitas and what kind of person you must be to stand up straight underneath all that weight. Yeah, and it's, it's, they say it perfectly, I think, in one of the later seasons, you, you don't know if, you know, the president was thinking of this particular book he read once, or this particular poem he read once, but you want in the room when he's trying to decide whether to launch the nukes or not, for him to have the insight of that. And, yeah, we definitely live in a world where it's the blue team and the red team. Mm-hmm. And when you look back at Abraham Lincoln, I mean, you, you, you had eight years of Bill Clinton as president, and there were no real decisions I can think of off the top of my head right now that he had to make, which changed the world. Maybe he did make them. We don't know about them. He changed the world, but like big events like nine eleven, like the Cuban Missile Crisis, like the Civil War, are undeniable. It's, it's just how people and presidents deal with those, and sometimes you're lucky, and sometimes you're not. Well, sometimes like when I'm thinking about who I'm going to vote for in an election. I'm like, well, the, the odds are that nothing world-changing will happen in these eight years. I mean, there's a huge yeah, section of the president of the presidency that you that like you know you you you'd be hard pressed to remember what the hell William Harrison did. You know, like nobody. Right, but I'd say, I'd say when Pakistan has nukes every year matters. Right, here, right that's true. And here we go, right here. You're a son of a bitch. Yeah, yeah. This is like one of the best. Best Bartlett moments. This must be one of the like if like at the end of your life if you have to line up the five best moments in theater and drama. This has to be one of them. Mm-hmm. Bartlett screaming at God because he's tired. He's you know saved the world. <laughs> you know he's he's and he's angry. Things. He's on little things, small things, and he's lost his faith because how dare you killed her? She raised two kids, never missed a day of work. Lost them both, never missed a day of work. Bought her first new car. She gets hit with a drunk driver. Because on some level, he's equating his situation, I think, to, to everyone else's. He's the leader of the world, and he's about to probably lose his job or lose his prestige or, or, or lose. You know, his he's honor. about to hit a storm. Yeah, yeah, he's about to hit a storm, and he's saying, and he he's angry that he's being brought down by this. And I think on some level, he's equating that to Mrs. Lanningham dying. Mm-hmm. And it's and I love landing him's line later on. There's people way worse off than you. Like I don't feel bad for you at all. <laughs> well, you know, and well, like I think that she. What's great about this, like from like my standpoint, is that 
you he doesn't lose his faith after this. Like he confronts God. He has this conversation with God. He walks away pissed as hell. But, you know, he's still going to church in the next season. And he's right. still he's still making still grappling with issues of faith. Like this is one moment in a lifetime of relationship with God. And it's not and Mrs. Lanningham's ghost. It's not Mrs. Lanningham's ghost. It's she's <laughs> telling him things that he already knows. He knows God doesn't make cars crash. He knows that's an excuse, but he's angry. And I love that humanity in, in Jed Bartlett, that he lied about a disease. He's getting caught for having lied about a disease because he's coming forward with it. And he's pissed that he has to, like, it's, he's human. He was wrong, and he's pissed he's going to get in trouble for it. Yeah. And, and that is being equated on some level to, you know, his, his friend dying. And right here, he's about to stomp the sick red on the floor, and, and he's lumping them together, and they're not. So I think this is pretty much like the low point of Jed Bartlett, where he's he's quitting, he's giving up because he's he's cranky and, and he's tired and that's not who he is and he needs that baptism and that rebirth. Yeah. Later absolutely. on to, and, and Mrs. Lanningham's the one who pulls him out of it through what she taught him forty years ago. I just think the story is just fantastic. It's a great I mean if you think about Aaron Sorkin as a storyteller mm. Like one of the best best devices. I mean, and like you can see some of the kind, like similar common themes running through all of his series. Like Sam is has the same problem that Jeremy had in Sports Night, where his father was having this long standing affair with another woman. Um, You see a lot of these themes, but I think like when it comes right down to it, like nobody can bring you like to this place with these characters, and you know. Like, you feel angry at God right with Jed Bartlett, and it's all because Aaron Sorkin got you there. Well, I'll never forget that Mrs. Lanningham was so loved, and, like, the the news that she had had been killed in the previous episode was so shocking that the California legislature, someone, a a member, shot the next morning after this episode aired, last week's episode aired, and asked for a moment of silence for a great American, you know, blah, blah, blah. And everyone stops, and everyone's bowing their heads, because no one knows, they think it's a real person. And it's Mrs. Lanningham. Like, <laughs> when they find out who they're like, oh god, are we on? Is this on tape? Like, are we, like, wow. but, that's hilarious. Um, yeah. Sam here is pissing me off because I get why he's mad. I get why he's angry. I get why, but it's already leaked. Everyone in the yeah. world knows that Barla has MS. You can't put it back in. So I was actually irritated that CJ. I mean, I, I love yeah. CJ. Like, C. Forbes loves Hermione, but I was annoyed that she apologized and said, "I'm sorry. I know you work here too." Light him from outside the window. I Toby just gets stuck on these little details every now and then. Like, light him from outside the window, damn it. I love this moment where the guy comes in to offer him the job. Yeah. I also just wanted to mention that I'm a little bit sad that I don't speak Latin because to this day I have no idea what what exactly Jed Bartlett was shouting about. I looked at the general I idea. If I had the Latin in front of me, I could tell you, but I don't have it in front of me. I will look it up because I have the quiet mind. I have the quiet keyboard. Yeah, you have the quiet keyboard. Mine is too loud. I love to see yeah. that this guy is asking about Mrs. Lanningham, but he's not mentioning the president's MS because it has to be on 24-hour cable news right now. Right. And a Josh and Donna scene. Oh, God, I love Josh uh, and Donna. He says, um, thank you, Lord. Am I to believe these things from a righteous God, a just God, a wise God? To hell with your punishments. Literally, put send punishments onto a cross. 
I was your servant, your messenger on earth. I did my duty to hell with your punishments and to hell with you. Ooh. And, but then it's the bit where he says, you'll get horns. It's like, how much of that is him talking? That's, that's not him talking about Mrs. Langham. That's him talking about the fact that he's having a bad day as far as that, so. Right. Well, and then there's kind of this, what cracks me up a little bit about this is like, it's kind of like almost like a moment for the ego of Jed Bartlett. Like I would be so much better than Hoynes, but because you're putting this on me, that's who you get. Like, (laughs) he doesn't have a Nobel prize in economics. Deficit's going to explode. (laughs) Speaking, Jed Bartlett only has half a prize and half a Nobel prize in economics. I just got to the episode where the nuclear meltdown is happening. We thought a um, Nobel Prize in economics would be enough background make work for this job. I came up for a plumbing license. He's trying to figure out like, how to run water into the room. <laughs> and the president is not going to run for re-election. I don't love it. It's answer B and everybody just goes quiet. Some repairs are going on. Like I, I've never been to DC, but if you look at the map, the, the cathedral and the State Department are like nowhere near each other. Yeah. <laughs> You've never been to DC? I've never been to DC. Oh my god! And I'm from Kansas, and I've been to DC. I know that. I've been watching Chicago. I know all of <laughs> In this quiet <laughs> moment, where we learn that you know the storm is a plot device because there's no way you could possibly have a tropical storm at this time of year. Uh, those love Martin Sheen as much as I do, need to, she's seen it, so Julia can listen up, is, um, you need to see The Way, which is an Emilio Estevez movie, and, um, he told his dad, Martin Sheen, what he was in the, what the movie was going to be about, and Martin Sheen's throwing out, oh, you should talk to Michael Douglas, or, um, Russell Crowe, all these different people, to, to play the lead character, who's, who's the father, the, the dad's the lead character, he's like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll look at them, I'll look at them, I'll look at them, and really, he knew that he was in the cast his dad, Martin Sheen, is the lead character. And it's the story of a um, an eye doctor who gets a call to his son, who's on a pilgrimage, who was a doctoral student and like dropped out the day before his, he was going to get his doctorate and just t- decided to travel the world. His son uh, was killed on a, um, on a pilgrimage in Spain, and he went to ID the body, which was Emilio Estevez, and he decides he's going to take the pilgrimage. He's never, he's not a traveler. He has no deep side, but he's going to take the pilgrimage in his son's name. And it's some of the people he meets and the journey he takes there. And it's probably one of the best movies I've ever seen. So if you're a Martin Sheen fan, you have to get the way with Emilio Estevez. It even has uh, Nancy in it. Is it on the Insta guy? It's on the Insta. It, it very well could be. I'd look it up, but I have I think it's on, before. I think it's on Netflix. Netflix streaming. Am I correct about that? Netflix streaming would be the Insta guy. Oh, is it? Okay, sure. It's definitely on. um, It's. It's. I feel like I watched it on my smartphone, so I'm pretty (laughs) sure. It's. It's it's definitely. I'll put it this way: seeing the preview for it, I was so impressed. I bought it from iTunes in HD. I never do that without having seen it. I just just knew. Wow! I got that whole commercial in for the way, and we haven't even found out about the uh, tropical storm yet. Well done. Allison. It must be so hard for, for Donna, you know, after the president gives that speech, to walk in and to literally talk about the weather. 
Yeah. And you must, that must be so hard. The president wants you to brief him on something. You have to know every arcane detail because he could ask you. Particularly this president. Like, you know. How do you spell hurricane backwards, Donna? You know what I mean? It's like you have to have that written down. Well, Donna would be the one in the room that can just whip that out. Like, (laughs) she always had a little bit more practical knowledge than, like, Josh or Sam ever did. You know what I was watching the last episode of The West Wing the other day? Remember at the very end, Donna gets her own office, and it's huge. Yeah. Right. That was actually Santos's office from the uh, transition episodes. They just moved the desk. <laughs> really? They have the same exact, they just you may have watched The West Wing one too many times. I may have. Yeah, really. I love this truth. <laughs> <laughs> this I want you to total. walk in and ask the guy on the left. Oh, this whole scene where he confronts his father is probably one of my, like, when they have this conversation. I can't wait to get there because uh, yeah, I think you're, you're more in the future, future than you were before, which I didn't even think was possible. Really? I like iPods for like 20 seconds. I'm not lying to you. Oh, I'm wondering if I'm missing things. You're, you're, you're missing entirely. No, you can't be. We are right now and Bartlett is talking to CJ for the last time before the press conference. He's not right. going for re-election. This is the end game. Alright, I'm going to pause okay. it. And when you get to the point where you, he sir. does the thing, He's knocking on the door. He's walking in right now. No, no, he's not. Hold on. Now he's knocking. Now he's knocking. Uh, we're, we're around the... the no, now he's knocking. Hold we're on. Around All right, right just let me know when he slaps him, and I'll hit play again. You were that far ahead of him. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. My God, you really did miss something. She's in the third season. Basically. <laughs> I'm, like, cruising right Tell along. Tell me, have Josh... Have, Run, have boy, Josh I don't know. I mean, you're really ahead of him. <laughs> Was, this is so funny because Lawrence. When like, they asked me when I decided to kick your ass, crime, gee boy, right. I don't know. That's it right there. I just love here that Lawrence O'Donnell is a very animated guy. So to see him like stilted in the chair is that clever? Like it's just. My dad always used to think the line coming up with Mrs. Lanningham, where she says your father was a prick who could never get over the fact he wasn't as smart as his brothers. He just left him. I really. No, wait. No, there's a slap. Okay, the, he's being slapped all over the room. So nice okay. <laughs> My father always thought the line should have been um, that your father was a prick who could, get, who could never get over the fact he wasn't as smart as his son. Yeah. Which I think, yeah. But well, that's that's the supposition that later characters make that uh, that Toby makes actually. Is it or is that earlier? In the no, to- no, Toby. I think it happened already. The chess game episode. The chess game. No, that that, that hasn't happened yet. That's re-election. I think that's season four. Yeah, it's the heavyweight conversation. Yeah. Well, that's the supposition that Toby I would love to know what happened from this point. The the election. I've read actually some fan fictions, which are really good. They involved um. Jed being friends with Josh's dad and Leo, and Leo's playing getting shot down, and, jo- and Josh's dad running to Jed. This is great. The door blows open. I love that moment where he yells on Mrs. Landingham. Right, just instinctively. Well, I've had moments yeah. like that, too, where like I went to ask my dad a question shortly after that. It's, it's things you just do. You have to get used to it. <laughs> but I, I love that she walks in. Yes! <laughs> you have it in a calm. Because I, I jumped when I was watching this the first time. I'm like, oh, shit. Ooh, there we go. Because how many people wouldn't love? I, he, she, she's not there. He knows she's not there. He's thinking this all in his head, but he never got to tell her. 
about the MS. He never got to say so many things. He's just going to roll with it. That's kind of what I like about it, is the character. Like, I love that. She's just smiling. Look, look at her there. Look at... Yeah, the sad smile. That's like the tense doctor smile. I, I love that. Sad. I have MS, I ain't telling him. Yeah. Like, it happens. <laughs> so you're having a little bit of a day. That's a line I use a lot, too. I just love that, like, she's always framed by the storm around her. Like, she's always just a little bit unreal. And the lighting here is a little bit foggy, or maybe that's just my screen quality. But the lighting is a little bit more foggy. There's a lot of subtle things going on Well, here. I love the, the yeah. shot of the chair with her nodding it, but just to remind us that she's not really there. But <sighs> she's his mom. She's, I think she's the closest maternal role he has and he lost it essentially it's like he lost his mom and he lost his faith in God and I love her too because she's substantive usually she's quirky and she's comic relief she's serious here tell me numbers what's the leading cause of death among African American males homicide going down the list all the different things you have to do because these are his numbers this is coming from him but look at that look in her face. Look at that intensity right there. That's who she yeah. is, and that's just so... But we don't yeah. see it, but that's exactly who she is. Because we never saw her during the series. She was always there, and she was quirky, and you knew we loved her, but you never saw moments like this. You never, you never knew how or why. What would the West Wing have been if Aaron had Sorkin had kept his original idea to just have it be about the staffers and not have the president be there I all that? I mean, very much like it um, would have sucked. Well, no, season seven, Jed's honestly not in it a lot. He's really yeah. not. CJ does a lot. There's three episodes in a row where it's CJ solving the, the crisis. I think it would have. I love this here. My God, Jed, I don't even want to know you. And he knows that Mrs. Lanningham would be disappointed in him. Yeah. And, and it's not, he's angry, he's pissed, but he's now like a little boy, and he knows mom would be mad, but she would not want me to handle it this way, and he just, he goes out for a little baptism here, it's just it's a great mm-hmm. moment. Like, I love Allison J.D., I love C.J. Craig, I think the la- the episodes later in the show are fine, I love seeing her come into her own, I love seeing her be the one to deal with all the problems, because I love her character, but Jed was the heart of the show. Yeah, and I think Jed could have been the chief of staff, and the president couldn't have been seen, and it would still would have worked because it's it's. Yeah. Well, because like all these characters, have this really like, I think is it just partially just way because Martin Sheen is like if you listen to him talk, like he can make you believe. Well, they all. Like, if you look, listen to him, if you yeah. listen to him talk about his causes, Martin Sheen yeah. talk about his causes, talking about worker inequality in Central America, and talking about. You know, I just want to point out here right right now that if Bartlett's not wearing the coat, neither is neither uh, is Charlie. Charlie throws it on the desk. Yeah, I mean, I think Bartlett, the way the staff looks at Bartlett is the way the the cast looks at Marlon Sheen. Yeah, and I think he's got yeah, that. he's really the glue that held the, held it together. And and, and, and while you know, I, I know he's probably not in the episodes in season seven because they had to cut the budget and everything. And he was paid too much, but I, I like seeing that in the beginning he's the only one who can do it. And by the end of the show. Everyone else is kind of smart enough, and, and he's taught them, and they've learned from each other, and they're, they're able to go on without them. One thing about that scene right there where they're all marching out of the White House, if you listen very carefully, I think they're all wearing slippers. Usually on a set, the, 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 the cast, because you don't see their feet, they'll wear slippers, so they don't, you don't hear their, their, their shoes hitting the ground. You hear Bartlett 
very loudly walking, no one else. I thought that was probably a cool choice there. Interesting. I'll have to give it a listen. Yeah, it's just little things that they did just to give them a little bit more weight. Now, they replay this entire scene in the next episode, but without music. It's a completely different... Yeah, it's the press conference, right? Not the whole thing? Yeah, the the press conference. You see the press conference, just hear the cameras, and you see the lights, and and... Because it's it's funny, because at the end of the scene, when they ask him, are you going to run for re-election, and it pauses on for like 45 seconds, you could imagine people at home going, well, are you? <laughs> like, it's been a while. <laughs> and it's like five seconds later. I can only answer 15 questions at once. How ex- I, sometimes I watch the show, and I'm like, how expensive would that have, how expensive a shot would this have been? Like with all the limos and all the lights. Well, the thing about the show, which I know, is if they show a senator's office, it has to have real marble in it. They didn't cut. They made all the money back on syndication. They lost money on probably every single episode of the show, except the one with uh, 17 people, because it cost probably 50 bucks to make, because they never (laughs) filmed the next I like 17 people. I love it. That's a great episode. I love getting trapped. You know, my question right there in the background of that shot is they're all pulling up. What was that bus? Yeah, what's the bus? Because that's, there's not a, something else just went by there, but um, you probably wouldn't have a bus going by a motor kid. No, probably not. That would, they would probably be rerouted. <laughs> I would <hope. laughs> Like, the president's driving by here. Please go around. Well, right now with Twitter and with, like, all, like, the, like the first read emails you get in the morning about yesterday's political events, there must have been five articles. Why was Bartlett sopping wet as he announced his re-election run last night? Like, can the president afford an umbrella? Yes or Does no? Someone dunk water on him? There was an episode in one of the later seasons where there was, I guess, some event in Iceland or Greenland or something somewhere up there and the guy was like, it's freezing too cold in Helsinki. It's freezing too cold in Reykjavik. And our president is wearing appropriate weather and your president comes bounding out of an automobile as at a yacht club. And then two years later, <laughs> right. Bartlett's like walking out with a snowsuit to Santos' inauguration and he's walking without the jacket on. Right. Yeah. I love this shot here. He gets to the stage. He gets to the podium. Yeah. He knows what he has to do. He knows they want me to talk to this bald guy. I couldn't and I didn't. But I'm not going to do but it. But he doesn't do it. Because he just refuses to let somebody else at the terms, even CJ. You know, he well, just he wants to get knows. right in there. I think in the moments when he like, actually oh. is Bartlett, like, that's some of the best television in yeah, the series. And just look at CJ's face right there. She just looks and she's like, oh, God. When President Obama came out for gay marriage, um, there's actually, you can follow Jed Bartlett on Twitter. It wasn't Uncle Fluffy who came out today. I mean, it's, every once in a while, Bartlett's very, very tame. And... I love that shot, too, with Toby looking on and, and Leo, Leo and the flag. Watch and the, this. The flag in the background. That he suit does hands in his pocket. He turns away. Press kept referring and to this episode as a cliffhanger, and Aaron Sorkin's like, "Did you watch the episode? Right. <laughs> I told you what he does." Yeah, it's kind of hilarious that you wouldn't understand what that meant. Like, of course, that means he's running he's again. Oh my goodness, he's, he's made up his mind. And the end credits. That was like such a perfect ending. Like it's not a cliffhanger at all. Well, then it was interesting because well, this is the last episode shot and um, aired before nine eleven. So of course, when we tune in next time to see what happens, right? We get Isaac and Ishmael. We get Isaac, and I'm like, is he going to run for re-election? 
I, 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 I put like his hands in his pockets. He turned away and he smiled. Just saying. But like in terms of just like impact on the series, and then also just I mean some great fantastic moments. Probably one of my favorite episodes of television. Yeah. Hands I'm, down. Even, I'm even looking back there. I'm looking on um, the Stackhouse filibuster is when you find out that Bartlett isn't going to run for re-election. So it's Stackhouse, 17 people, Baboon Rising, Falls Gonna Kill You, 18th and Potomac, Two Cathedrals. It's six episodes on, on MS. Which, this is the days when West Wing could do three episodes on the census. So it's, it's a lot of ground on, on one plot point. And I know it was probably meant to echo JFK and, and his illness and, and the Clinton impeachment and, and whatnot, but it just works so flipping well. Then after this, you get the, the re-election and you get Manchester, the two-hour episode, and good episode. Everyone says that the first two years of the show are probably the best, and uh, this episode, I think, caps it off very, 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 very well. So it's right in the line with the great... Like, West Wing is known for really having fabulous season finales. Yeah. You know, like, season one was, what, the one where everybody gets shot? Yep. And then this one, and then Posse Comitatus, and then the one with Zoe's kidnapping, and yep. after that, I forgot. But those first four. The fifth season one, they, they really get into foreign policy stuff later, which is where the real world went. They Well, you know, the fifth season episode is when they did the um, Israel, and when they did the, um, the two-season right. solution. You which, would think I would have remembered that. Yeah, I would. Th- I, I was. I was just yeah. saying. I'm like, good God, there's like a staff meeting in here. I yeah, think. They, I think I they, disagreed with them, which is why I forgot about it. Yeah. When they when they solved the Middle East in two hours. Well, okay. in his second term, he solves Middle East. He, like, yeah, it, well, it only took him an hour to solve Social Security, and Toby only had to resign three times to do it. Right. But, um, I think I didn't like the solution. Fire Toby. He's like, how many times have you have you quit now? Three or four? Gee, I don't know, Mr. President, but the last time I saved Social Security for you. <laughs> I think the one of the reasons the West Wing appeals so broadly is that they can they can do things like that but then you start to think about it and you're like well in the real world that solution wouldn't be so great and would never be implemented gives you some resolution some hope that things might work out that well it always renews my faith in humanity and then i go and i read an ap and i get well, yeah, the is, it's like they, they always say in courts now there's something called the csi effect which is the juries will not convict or they will not find people guilty because on csi they would know beyond a shadow of a doubt this guy did it. The prosecutor showed me nothing because they expect, you know, CSI-type evidence. Obama can do great things one day. People are going to be pissy because Jed Bartlett, remember that? Yeah, I don't think that, you know, it necessarily affects Obama as much as it, you know, I... I no, but people have this sense that, you know, the, well, the glory the days 20, was, yeah. Was it's the 24-hour news cycle, really. Like, things get talked about a little bit too much, I think, sometimes. Like, you can't ever close the day out because the day never ends. Yeah. And maybe that's more realistic, but I think, you know, maybe maybe 10 or 20 years ago, we could close the door on a day and say tomorrow is another day or, you know, before they had, they would put a lid on the White House press room. They would go home. But then they just, then they talk about that day stuff and they, and they Monday morning quarterback. I mean, it's to the point now where no matter what anyone says, there's Republican talking points, Democratic talking points and people who don't think and don't understand or don't have time to think or understand are being told here's what to think and everyone's saying the same bore like it's hysterical when you watch <laughs> all i remember is when tom delay got indicted every republican in the, in the country within 10 minutes was saying you can indict a ham sandwich well it's true you can every republican was saying you can indict a ham sandwich no one said turkey no one said you can indict a chicken nugget. Everyone said ham sandwich because that was the line. Where, how exciting is a debate when everyone just says the same thing back and forth? I mean, it's, it doesn't I think, think that, 
you know, I think that that would be one of the interesting things. Like one thing I do think that the West Wing did that I think would be interesting would be to just strip away all that crap and just have the two people talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Just have Obama and Romney. And I mean, I no, maybe not Romney. Let's wait until we have an actual candidate running. Um, <laughs> my party is not doing so well this election. Um, if you, you know, it has two, sorry about that. You know, if you had two really good candidates and mm-hmm. we're they're discussing the different ideals they're they're talking about let's really get down to what is the role of government because that's the that's the primary disagreement between two parties really mm-hmm. is what is the role of government you know and and how what you decide is the truth of that question is how you approach the world and i don't think that a lot of people understand that that's the baseline issue you know between the two parties and so if you had an actual debate where you weren't just spewing lines and you weren't having discussions about irrelevant topics, if you were just saying, you know, if Obama came out and said, I think that this is how social security should work because we have a, as, as rule, as citizens in a free society, we pay a debt to that society and we owe that society to take care of the people that created that society. You know, and then you have the Republicans on the other side, you know, we're saying, well, that would mean higher taxes then you could actually make yeah, an informed I mean, decision. The problem you have now you know? is because the filibuster, you need every single star to line up to get anything done nowadays. And because of that, you can't take the risk to do that. And you have to be as conservative, not politically, but you have to be as careful as possible with every move that you make not to rock the boat. But, right, so yeah. no one gets to say what they actually think because we need to test that first before we say it because we could lose a percentage point. And, and that's where it is now. So I, I would much rather go back to the tried and true method of having Mrs. Lanningham walk in and beat the crap out of the person making the decisions. That's what I think. Yeah, I, think we just, I think we should just like pick a person at random, really. Like, here, <laughs> you're president. That's how we found Joe the Plumber. I'm not really a sign board with that. That's, let's not talk about Joe the Plumber. Please, not, talk, please right. not. Yeah. We're not going to talk about Joe the Plumber. So um, we at the Pope Exchange recommend, you know what, I have this weird feeling our next episode will be 20 hours in America because I feel like that's the direction we're going in. I don't know why. I just love that. I love the line <laughs> where the president's like, thank God Don is there. They'd have to buy a house. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, that's a pretty shippery episode. So I'd be up for that. I'm all about Josh and Don. Oh, yeah, I'm in. We'll invite the dogs back. My cat will stop by. It'll be a lot of fun. So okay. with that, we are the very loud Puffer Exchange. And we miss Mrs. Lanningham very much. And we don't give a damn that she was on Desperate Housewives. No matter how much artistic enjoyment she got from the series, she will always be Mrs. Lanningham. Yes, yes. exactly. So rest in peace, Catherine rest, Houston. Rest in peace. <laughs> As we learn to pronounce it, <laughs> Mrs. Lanningham would not allow us to have a code <laughs> because we came unprepared. We came unprepared. We should wiki pronounce that or however. Phonetic. Yeah, so have a good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Bye. Bye.